Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. is up wizards fans welcome to another believe in wizards podcast it's officially march the hell month that was february for the wizards is finally over jihadi for the first time ever the wizards go an entire month without winning a basketball game i've never seen anything like this before like i mean obviously the wizards have never done it but it's hard even by you know like the the pistons had that 28 game losing streak that's the last time i remember a team being that bad for multiple you know multiple months basically no it's I never seen anything like this. It's, even in this franchise, I haven't. Yeah. But um, you know, it, it's crazy when uh, your goals for this season now is just not to be the Detroit Pistons, <laughs> right? Not to be the worst right? team ever. Yeah. And now, like we right there neck and neck with them. So I don't, I don't know what bar you can set too much. It's true. Yeah. Right now, they're actually the Wizards have the best or. The best or the worst odds? The best odds at the number one overall pick. Uh, they're a half a game worse than Detroit at the moment at 9 and 50. And Detroit is 9 and 49 at the moment. So, uh, yeah, this is this is bad. <laughs> like, if the season ended today, they'd be the favorites for the number one pick. Obviously, with the lottery, the odds get kind of smoothed out. So, who knows if they get it. But it seems like they're going all in to guarantee themselves a top four pick at worst. And uh, I guess the question is really at this point, do you think they win again this season? Like, I think they got to get one here at some point. I think Philly set the record for least amount of wins ever at nine. So I would hope that the Wizards beat that just to not be the worst ever. Well, based on a game yesterday, it doesn't seem like they're trying to lose. Every yeah, game. I agree. I agree. Right, because, I mean, the game yesterday went overtime. So they're still pushing to try to win games. So I do feel like they can still win some games. And, and in, the, in, the, in the end of the day, they're an NBA team. Yeah. They, they can possibly win games any night. Any night, anything is, you know, anybody's game any night. Uh, just so happened that most nights this season haven't been our night. Yeah. Um, but I still think that they're trying to win games because I'm looking at the moves they're making. Some of the opportunities, giving guys opportunities, putting Jordan Poole um, as a as a six man off the bench, which actually ended up being a great, yeah. great move. So yeah. you don't you don't make those adjustments unless you're trying to see some results. Sure. Yeah, at least they want to see those guys play better and get some momentum heading into the offseason. And if you've had Poole, you know, like. If he looks in March the way he looked in, I don't know, December, I think that's a lot tougher way to, to wrap up the year um, than it would be, at least if you get a little positive um, you know, momentum behind you. Uh, before we get going here, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Ice Teas and BetOnline. BetOnline's your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, matchup reports for baseball, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, everything you can think of. BetOnline is the fast and easiest way to place all your wagers, including live betting, your favorite casino and card games, available uh, right from your phone or mobile device. And you can head to the website and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. 
just a couple quick ones here. Shout out Mark Pontius for getting uh, a trivia question I posted the other day about who our first ever guest was on Believe in Wizards. It was Francis Tiafo, the tennis player. So good guess uh, from Mark there. And just shout out Wizards fan, Wizards super fan, Taylor Jones. The last time Taylor missed a home game was Saturday, Saturday January 15th, 2012 against the Toronto Raptors. A uh, man is well over a decade deep. And, uh, you know, he... Right he was, top, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I am not that dedicated. Uh, I, I even don't watch a couple games a season, I'll admit. I think I get 72 of the 82 in here. But uh, to, to be at all of them in person is pretty badass. And, and I hope the Wizards, like, recognize that kind of thing and, and celebrate that kind of stuff with their, uh, you know, with their season ticket holders. Because that's that's pretty... Yeah. Cool. yeah, I'm sure they do. But, you know, when you have a guy that, that that's dedicated... And you got to do something special for him. You got to put him out in center court. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, you might deserve a statue outside the arena, given how yeah. light the team has been a couple of those years uh, in between here. Uh, shout out to also uh, Nat's drummer on Twitter. He pointed this tweet out to me, but uh, Rob Perez or Worldwide Wob or whatever he goes by these days uh, tweeted that with every Wizards loss during the streak, the possibility of the funnest, funniest thing happening uh, ever gets closer. The Pistons set the NBA record, losing 28 in a row earlier this season. The Wizards have lost 13 in a row. If the Wizards lose 27 in a row, their 28th game would be against Detroit. So Detroit would have an opportunity to try to bury the, you know, bury the Wizards and have them equal that streak there. So uh, it would be funny to see a showdown of two of the worst of all time. But I very much hope that the Wizards uh, win a couple in between here, and we don't even have to worry about that. That's what that's. That's what we're competing against now. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's where the, that's where things have become. Yeah. To where everything now is trying not to be the the best of the worst. Yep. Yeah. It's so, a race race not race not for the bottom, I guess here. Right. So I mean, and now and now it's really an adventure trying to really to being really engulfed into making sure looking at this thing every day, making sure we're not the Detroit Pistons. But yep. that's where we are now. Yeah, it's uh, it's a rough state of affairs. But as fans, I think for the most part, this is what we asked for. We wanted the tank. And, and these boys are professional tankers in the front office. They are not messing around. And a couple of these well, games. You, know, you, can only, you can only have it one one or two ways. If, you're going, if, if, if your season is turning out like this so far, you're like, okay, what? how can we make the best of it? What, what can we do to make sure that next year we have the best opportunities available to us? I hate to say it, but when it comes down to that, you start to say, look, we have to tank. Hmm. It's not something no one, anyone no wants to do. Right. But as far as a business move, your best business move now is to tank. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's one of those things that come with the job. I, the, I watched a couple of these games and my main thought has been, if even if they just still had Gafford, I think they win a couple of these last few games because just like the interior defense has been so tough. Like Bagley does a lot of good things offensively. He kind of tried against Anthony Davis. He just couldn't put up enough resistance. I, I feel like just that change alone would have snagged him a game like last night because there were a couple times where dudes just waltzed, like waltzed right into the rim untouched. And at least Gafford was maybe going to get himself in the way a little bit and try to wall somebody off. So. Uh, I feel like that maybe played a little bit more into their choice to trade Gafford than than I originally thought. Well, 
Gafford and Bagley brings two different things, mm-hmm. but they both bring something good defensive wise. So Gaffrey, what we lost, we lost rim protection. We we lost being able to be long enough to defend in the post, right? Mm-hmm. What Gafford wasn't as good at is with Bagley, is Bagley can play one through four defensively. He can defend one through four very well. Have you noticed last night? He was one of the main guys that was defending LeBron. Did a good job against LeBron. He didn't do as well as Anthony Davis with Anthony Davis as Gafford would have done, right? So, so it's give and take. You lose something, you win something. Now that, so, but it would been it would have been even greater if we could somehow get at, kept both of them. Both, right? Exactly. You know, in a situation where all right, all right, well, you know what, Gafford, you play Anthony Davis, you put Bagley in for LeBron, right, and play them together in a type of system somewhere to where we can shut them down at times. It was, it's not enough scoring to keep both of them in the game offensively for a long time, but in certain situations, that can be a really good defensive core to, to that we could have probably won the game at certain points. You'd always gotten some more defensive rebounds, I would have think. Yeah. I would have thought, but with the two of them out there. Uh Azana Cabret asked, is Gafford going to be worth the 25th or 26th pick? I, I think if you're Dallas, he seems like he's already worth that for you. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you meant that the other way for the Wizards, but um, it depends on what they do with it, honestly. Uh, and the GOAT says, we got a W over the Clippers coming tonight. Those ba- uh, those boys mad after yesterday, for sure. Uh, yeah, so that's a tough one. Second game of a back-to-back against a Clippers team that's been really good. That's a tough ask, uh, and I think last night was their night. If they were going to get one of these two games, I think last night was the one that they had to win. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, but so, then it, it, it depends on your mindset, right? Believe it or not, Clippers it will be a tougher game, but we looked up for that L.A. game. Yeah, they were good last night. That I, team, I think... The team we saw last night mm-hmm. was a team – that wanted that game from the beginning. You get mm-hmm. to play LA at the Staples Center. You get to perform on the biggest stage in basketball, right? Yeah. You saw certain players come out to play. Now, a lot of guys, I think there were several of them that stepped up. Yeah. Like right. So now, what? Yeah. Can we? I, can we win this game tonight? Yes, we can. Believe it or not, yes. If we come out with the same intensity as we came out with the L- with playing against the Lakers, mm. but usually when you're playing against the Clippers, now you're going back to may- and maybe in just another game. I think Paul George is Paul George still out? I should know the answer to that, and I do not. I have not seen uh, the injury. I mean, if Paul George is still out. That's kind of like okay. Well, it probably lessens your intensity of playing like you play yet. Let you know the, against the Lakers. But if we play like we play against the Lakers, if we play like we played against the Lakers this season, mm-hmm. we would have, we would have a decent record. Yeah, no, I totally agree. If that was, I actually tweeted earlier today. Last night was the team I think Wizards fans expected to see all year, and last night was the Jordan Poole we expected to see all year. You know, he might take some wild ass shots, but for the most part, he'd make some things happen. He'd get into the paint. He'd take a lot of defensive pressure or attention away, and and open other guys up. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I, if we could have gotten, I'm not 34 points every night, but if we'd have gotten more of this Jordan pool, I, I think we'd be in a much different position overall. I'm thinking we getting a better Jordan pool than we, we had though. Yeah. He's, he's been on. He's not, he's not taking as many terrible wild shots as he normally has to, because he don't, he, he's not competing for shots. Right. Right. If, when you're out there with Kuzma, you know he's going to take at least 20. Yeah, right. right. So I'm, I'm, my mindset is uh, Kuzma's going to take 20. I got a hot potato this thing as many chances I get to try to get my numbers. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not competing as much when a Kuzma or Denny isn't in the game. Now I can take better shots because now I decide when I'm the first option I'm I decide when and what and how is the best shot to take mm-hmm. so now I'm not hoisting a lot uh, as much of the craziness I was before and, and even the bad better. ones he made a higher percentage off at least too yeah he's, nice. he's looking better uh last night he was at 34 points on 13 of 26 shooting five of 12 from three seven assists three rebounds one steal one block three turnovers and uh the the thought the part i think that's really encouraging here is that um he's top 30 points five times this season two of them have come in the last three games uh he's topped 20 points 17 total times this season three of them have come in the last four games now granted raw points isn't always you know the most important thing because it could be like last night he was efficient one of those games not as efficient but at this point, I'll just take anything from him. Even inefficient scoring is better than inefficient not scoring. So um, he's still been, you know, kind of better overall. But the thing I've liked, uh, 20 times this season, he's given he's thrown out over five assists, and he's done so in, in all three of the last three games. So I think it's a better mix. You know, he's still calling his own number, but because he's drawing that attention, he's still making more of the right reads and getting other guys um, better shots. So I, I've been happier with kind of the overall, um, you know, play from, from pool here. I, I have too. And I mean, I think it's it, at the why you got to look at it as not a demotion because I'm seeing more of a leader Jordan yep. pool now, mm-hmm. more vocal, more instructing a lot of players that's out there yep. um, being the right spots, what more call in plays than I have. <laughs> when he was in the first, in the starting lineup. I think the starting lineup, he had to be too competitive with his own teammates. Mm. You know, mentally competitive. Yep. Uh, Kuzma last night, 20 points, 7 of 16 shooting, 4 of 8 from 3, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 blocks in 37 minutes. So this 12th double-double of the season. Let's see, a couple other good stats that the Wizards threw out here. Uh, he scored over 20 points 36 times this season, including seven of his last nine games. They've been slightly more efficient for most of the last several, too. It's kind of the, the shooting curve, I think, is trending a little bit back up in the right direction here. Uh, he's had double-figure rebounds in 10 contests, five-plus rebounds in 36 contests, um, multiple block games a season 11 times. So it, it just the guy produces. It's not always the most efficient, but there were definitely a couple – no, no, yes shots last night from him. And he, he made a few, but there were also a couple no, no, no shots that uh, that really kind of hurt them down the stretch. So I think this is the good and, you know, the good and the bad with Kuzma is he's going to make a couple tough ones to keep you in it. And then once you're in it, he might take a couple 
bad ones and miss them that, that kind of put you back out of it. And that's just what you're going to get when you treat him like a number one or two option, unfortunately. Yeah, you get you get two Kuzmas, but you get him you get both every game. <laughs> right, exactly. Hey, like yeah, on alternating possessions. Like, oh, that's a great pass. Well, that's a great pass. Oh, great. That's a great look for somebody who'd be in an extra pass for a teammate. Yeah. Then you get a guy who's make tough shots. Mm-hmm. You know, like something that's tough. And like, oh man, that's tough. Like you know, and then you get a guy who like just <laughs> Say it, all right, let me get my numbers anyhow, anyway. And you get a mini, you get a slight pooly type of player, mm-hmm. right? And then you're like, all right, cool, cool, that was terrible. Like, well, you know, you're just going for it. You know, you're just going for it. You're not even, the defense has it set up, the rest of your teammates aren't down, and you just hoisted up a three, or you went for a wild drive layup that had no, you know, chance of going in. It was straight Hail Mary shot. So you get so many personalities with Kuzma on the court at at one time. A lot of them you like, but the ones that's that's not that good, it's very dislikable. To me, he's still like considerably more good than bad overall. It's just the bad is so bad. It just, it sticks with you. And I think there's a little bit of a double standard where, uh, you know, like, a turnover is is a turnover a lot of times with with some of the stuff that that he versus Poole versus Denny versus Kispert do, but it's just it looks so bad when he does it that it's like, oh my god, Kuzma lost us the whole game. It's like, well, he hit two threes in a row twenty seconds before that to give us the lead. So, you know, I I, I think we've gone like a little maybe too extreme sometimes with like, oh, he blew that whole game. Uh, it's, but, o- it's overly heroic. Yeah, it's, that's it's exactly right. heroic. Yeah, like, man, I see a better pass right there. You had to see it. We all saw it. But, and it was, this wasn't even a heroic moment that needed to be right now. And you're just going to take it. You know, it's Kuzma time. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing, because you see him being a, being a good teammate a lot of times throughout the game. You see him taking the the easier, smarter, higher percentage shots sometimes throughout the game. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're like, all right, what the, here come Thanos. You're like, hey, we didn't need him. We did not need that uh, a couple yeah. times. But yeah, you're right. Like there was a stretch last night where he like just drove by LeBron, got to the rim for a layup. And then the next time in transition through like this, like 40 foot bounce pass. I want to say it was like Denny cutting to the rim, yeah. like through traffic. Like, and I was like, holy shit. And then the next play he came down and like just. 20 seconds on the shot clock heaved a three and it was like who what like right, yeah why <laughs> it, it's like a heat check moment you know like uh, i've made a couple in a row like i gotta take this one out i can't help it and they almost the heat checks never seem to go in for him unfortunately yeah uh let's talk bagley here for a second he had a season high 23 points last night 11 of 14 one of one from three four rebounds two blocks one assist if I'm going to nitpick, I would have liked to seen a little more than the four rebounds, but yeah. I think Denny picked up some of the slack next to him going for 15 rebounds. Uh, but Bagley's top 20 points in six total games this season. Uh, he's done so um, in back-to-back games, and he's now scored in double figures in 13 of his 16 appearances with the Wizards, so that's been pretty good. He's been consistently pretty solid offensively, and I think I've seen enough from him to say, like, if he was a backup big for you next year, like, 
he's a pretty big needle mover off the bench as a reserve center. I wouldn't want to start next season with him like slotted to be the starting center, though. I don't see him as a starting center either. But then again, I also don't see who we're going to get out there. <laughs> so that's actually really so, cool. like, it, 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 it yeah, we, 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 It's wishful. It's you know wishful thinking that he could you know very. It's you know you can be hopeful. Yeah. But um, yeah, he would be a great backup. What I what I like about Bagley and why he is effective right now mm. is he's very active for yeah. a center for a big. He's always moving. He's not, he, you know, big stuff kind of moving and more methodical movements, right? He's active like a perimeter player. He's mm-hmm. active from the box out, from the, bo- you know, from the lower box going out. So as a defender, you, you have to now be more aware of Bagley than the help. Mm-hmm. Not because he's such a athletic person. He's not, he's not, he's, not he's not uh, overly athletic like the great athletic players. Sure. He's solid a, enough, good like hands, that kind of thing. Mid level athletic, right? Yeah. Can't jump high, high over the rim like Galford, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. But his his instincts and feel for the ball and feel for spaces, yep. that's what's that's why that's what's undeniable. Like you like, wow. So this dude really have a feel. So so he's not he he's not killing you with his athletic ability. He's killing you with his nonstop act, activity and movement and the feel for everything. He's always most times in the right spot. So even when he's having good rebounding games, he's not out jumping anybody for the rebounds. Yeah, he's better positioning. He's he's proactive, better positions, tr- getting off the ground quicker. Right, not higher, quicker. And so even in – I watch Denny a lot. When Denny drives and if he doesn't have – at the last minute, he doesn't have anything, right? Bagley is always in the right spot for Denny to drop it off to, hmm. right? Gafford not all, wasn't always like that, right? So Gaff, Bagley reads whoever the driver is very well and mm-hmm. also reads to open space where – he knows that driver has an angle to drop it. Yeah, and so, he knows where to go to get that rebound for the offensive yeah. rebound, too. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really like about Bagley to the point to where that's why he's effective. Mm-hmm. He's not effective because he's a great scorer. He's effective because he's a great reader. I, I think that's incredibly well said. Like, he just, that's his superpower, is seemingly just, like, kind of putting himself in the right place. And, and a lot of that's just through effort and, there are a lot of times too where I think he's got like a good feel for what each of his teammates are going to do. Like certain guys, he seems to look for the pass more uh, where other guys, I think he knows to to go, he's going to have to go get it off the rim. And I'm not sure I'm not looking right now to see what percentage of his offensive rebounds he's converting on, but it seems like every time he gets an offensive rebound near the, anywhere in the paint, he finishes it. And so he might not get a ton of them, but they're getting points off of all of those kind of right. action. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, just that. What last game? What he had two fouls early in the in the, in the first half. Yeah, and they went a little small for a while, which I did. Had had two fouls and end up still end up with twenty points. Yeah, just because just the feel. You know, somebody sit, sitting out that long, 
Mm-hmm. As a as a center position where you don't really control the ball at all, sure. still end up with twenty. Pretty much, mostly, most of that twenty was in the second half. Come on, That's yeah, just no, a guy I, who knows how, got a good feel for the game. Yeah, I totally with it. Yeah, I, I think especially if he's going to be able to do that against Anthony Davis's of the world. Imagine what he could do strictly more matched up with the Jackson Hayes of the world and, and things right. like that. I think he could really feast as a kind of a, a bench option. Um, Denny last night, 15 points, five of 10 from the field, three of five. I actually probably would have liked to see him be a little more assertive offensively. Cause I, I felt like he was getting, getting better looks. And, uh, you know, I, th- I thought it was a good balance though. He had a tough defensive assignment. He had LeBron a, a decent amount of the night, he had 15 rebounds, which were huge for them. They needed every one of them. Uh, five assists, one steal. This is his ninth double-double of the season. He's had double-doubles in four of his last six outings. So I think without Gafford especially, we've seen more Denny on the glass. And I, I think that's something he does particularly well. And it's also more of an opportunity for him to grab and go and start the break. And uh, we, you know, we've kind of said all year we like that. So just looking at it from a box score, box score perspective with Tyus Jones, 11 assists last night. Uh, he's had... Uh, double figure assists in six of his last seven games, including three straight 44 times this season. He's given out at least five assists and he's done so 22 straight times. He's had at least eight assists in 15 of his last 20 games on paper. You know, Tyus makes this team go a lot, but saw last night when it became back to Tyus and pool out there together it seemed like things kind of bogged back down a little bit. Both guys seemed a little bit unsure maybe of how to like operate together uh as cleanly i think pool was better when he was the the key ball handler and the pool kispert dynamic seemed to work particularly well last night and even tyus kispert seemed to work and kispert had a good game going for 20 points uh on 8 of 15 shooting only two of seven from three but he was still good overall had a tough finish over anthony davis but they basically took Kispert out to bring Jones back in at the end and I asked Brian Keefe about it he said well we needed somebody to get us into our sets and it just seemed like the offense kind of like ground to a stop when they did that and I'm not blaming Tyus I just feel like we have more and more sample size that 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 fit doesn't really work for them to close games I don't know what what you saw out there Jahadi and, and what you thought of that I think I think you you keep going what working for you at that moment yeah, right until it dies down uh, stops working you keep pushing what's working for you yeah i would have left kispert out there to close you gotta leave kispert out there i don't understand i didn't understand the reason for that that substitution either mm-hmm. um and tie it and kispert sometimes is to me can be m- more effective than, than tyus when he's going right when he's going and he he can stretch the floor a little much taller you know, yeah. they, he offers a they, little more resistance defensively. He's still not right. good on that end, but at least he's yeah. bigger. True. He's bigger body. Um, so I don't understand what the trade-off is, right? So with that one. And then then you do, you just don't I haven't seen this year Tyus and Poole work very well together. Yeah. Right. When Tyus even starts trying, they don't read each other well. Yeah, and Ty, he doesn't read pool well at all. He, but he, he's a good reader, so it's kind of, you know, unusual for a point guard not to understand his two guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do see Tyus defer to pool, his game goes down. Yeah, I agree. 
and vice so, versa. Right, yeah. Right. I, I've seen a lot of like tweets from Wizards fans about like, oh, Tyus Jones has been holding Jordan Poole back this year. Well, if you're Jordan Poole, you're a $30 million player. You have to find a way to still be marginally productive if you have to share the floor with another ball handler. And I've had some back and forth about like, well, Poole really got to be more of a, you know, a primary creator in Golden State. It's like, well, no, he still shared the floor with Andre Iguodala and Steph Curry and these other guys that had the ball a lot, too. So he can coexist with other people. Uh, it's just for whatever reason, those two don't work and they get absolutely demolished defensively. So yeah. I, I'm well, not I'm well, not throwing shade at Jones really either. Poole works works without the ball in his hand. Yeah, I agree. Right. Like, Poole's way his process the way he processes playing without the ball in his hand mm-hmm. is not normal. Especially not and it's not normal for a guard to be able to read it instantly. Yeah. Un- right? Unorthodox approach. It's unorthodox, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it and for you to say, okay, let me try to make sure Poole gets this amount of touch. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's gonna take too much brain capacity. <laughs> right. Because I'm like I'm 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 more figuring and trying to figure it out than more trying to feel it. Right. If I can feel it, I can play. If I'm sitting here trying to, you know, break break down the equation, like why why he's moving backwards, right? Now I'm I'm also missing all my other opportunities, missing opportunities for myself, missing opportunities for my teammates. So I think that's they just don't read. He don't. He does not read pool well, right? You talked about playing together, and and this was the exact analogy I was going to make, but a different kind of play together. To me, Tyus Jones is like your classical musician, and and Pool wants to go out there and play jazz, and the two of them are now sharing this this orchestra, this band, or whatever, and it, it just they're they're playing different music. <laughs> he's he's playing EDM or whatever you know he's got going on. Um, so it just seems like a clash of styles and I, some of it though, it's, you know what, like Tyus went out and he still did his thing. Like he made the most of it. Pool is the one who suffered, but I, I get that they need to make some moves to facilitate pool being better and, and things like that. But it's also still on him. Like that doesn't absolve him of not trying to find some ways to make it work to at least be a net positive out on the court. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm not knocking Tyus. I'm not really knocking Poole. It just seems like a bad mix. And, and yeah. maybe that's. Um, yeah, I'm not knocking either one. It, it just seems like it's just not gelling. Right. Yep. Yeah. Sure. And the only person who's really can, the only person that I see right now who can read his teammates and, and feel off his teammates well, for mostly for his advantage, also for helping other people, is Denny. Mm-hmm. I think he's done that pretty well this year, too. Yeah. I think he's done, I think he's done more than and pretty well actually man i mean just watching him i mean just how fast he can accelerate off the touch mm-hmm. like you and that's really that's a, that's probably 70 percent of his games is his acceleration and his yeah. control acceleration just because he's going downhill i mean he goes downhill faster than most nba players right now he just commits to it too it's like yeah, i will drive straight line oh, to the hoop. Yeah. Yeah. right um and just his confidence I don't know. Tell me this. If Denny was on any other team that was above 500, hmm. would he have been an all-star this year? Uh, I, I wonder about this because I, I think the things 
he does well. Like he needs the ball in his hands a certain amount of times, right? Like I, I think he's better when he gets some touches to, to make the right play and grab it off the glass and, and put pressure on people because he's a mismatch. If you're guarding him with a four, he's going to be quicker. It's just, are the best teams in the league going to give him enough opportunities to do that? Like we saw this with the Wizards to some extent when they were a better win now team in air quotes. It ended up being more of him standing around in the corner while like these higher usage guys did their thing. Like if he's next to Luca and Kyrie, is he going to touch the ball enough? No, I'm just saying above 500 team. I'm not saying a no, team where a, a championship team, but but like you know what's Dallas like the eighth seed or whatever. I mean yeah. they're no, it's it's just tough. I I, I think there's going to be guys that are slightly better with the ball than he is, and he's still not as great off the ball yet. The shooting's gotten better. I don't know. So I, I think there's a pathway to exactly what you're saying. It's just um. So so what you're saying is what I'm hearing you say is. He's a, he's as effective as he is right now because of the team he's on, because the opportunities he have with this team. Like there's that the like the old adage about like even the worst team in the league needs like a leading scorer. I don't I'm not saying that's the case with Denny. I, I think it's just he needs the ball to be effective, um, to maximize his effectiveness. And and I don't know that he'd get that to the same degree everywhere else. Uh, I, I think he's a much better player. I think he has the tools to do it, but you know, I, I think he works hard without the ball in his hands mm. to be able to have the ball in his hands. Yeah, right. Then I think that's half of the game to be able to say, okay, let me work hard to get the ball in the right spots to to be able to take off with my acceleration. He without the ball in his hands, he works just as hard. Mm-hmm. To be able to be the open player, I think that's and so. What I what I'm saying is, on any other team, that part is not going to go away. I agree. So, which means now, it's just a choice of somebody making the the choice to say, okay, this is the player I'm passing to or not, because he's going to make sure that he's going to be the open player majority of times. Not saying oh, you. He, I mean, I understand it's going to be a, you know, maybe if it's, you know, Luca or Kyrie, like you said. But it's all about learning the skill of making yourself available. I think you do a great job of that. They talk about sort of like this notion of a heliocentric offense, right? Where a team is built around, like they orbit around one guy that does all this shit with the ball, like the James Harden Houston experience. Uh, even somebody like um, Trey Young, for example, like I don't think Denny would do as well on a team like that because it'd just be too much orbiting around a player. But if you put him, uh, Golden State is the example everybody always uses. But but you know, one of these other teams where it's a little more equal opportunity for guys to create and play make and things like that. Um, you know, I, I think that would be a much better fit for him stylistically. Yeah. Well, I. Hate you. I just feel like if Denny was in on any other team right now uh, that's fighting for that's that's above 500 or one of the teams that's fighting for a playoff run that's right there, mm-hmm. New Orleans or something. Yeah, sure. You know, he would be he would have been an all star this year. I think he I, I think more he recognition off, for I think it, he for sure. offers a lot to the game, to the NBA game. 
that a lot of other players don't. Mm-hmm. He's well-rounded. I mean, there's not a yeah, ton of guys. Yeah, just it's fast, quick, can stop and pop with three really fast, yep. get downhill really fast, and can get downhill, still be in control, and drop it off, can see the floor really well, can feel the floor really well. Um, I No matter what team I see him playing against, mm-hmm. he's effective. True. Even if even if some it, the matchup, like you said, it's the matchups. Even mm-hmm. if it's a one a good defender, he's going to be too tall. Or then it's a four, he's going to be too fast. He knows how to take advantage of all his all of those situations to, for his benefit. And he's just growing, man. I like I'm I'm enjoying watching Denny every game. He's been probably the most pleasant surprise to me this year. Uh, like in terms of how much I've enjoyed watching his game more this season than last season. And it's, uh, I don't know if I were going to pick an all value team in the league, guys that present the most production per dollar, you know, contract wise, like he's a hundred percent in my starting five for that. I, I think that's that, that contract is going to look amazing in another two years. If he keeps, you know, adding the things we think he can. I just add. hate he's not more of a household name. I'm and with you. Reason me, like he's not on, he's not being spoken of on a, on this, you know, on the shows like the first takes and the, you know, all of those. And yeah, I understand he's playing on the Wizards, right? <laughs> no <laughs> one's really getting talked about more than Jordan Poole on this team. Yeah. But like, you know, other teams respect Denny. They know what he is. You know, other NBA players that have to play against him understand, oh, you, you got Denny tonight. Right. That's understood. That's understood. Yep. But it's not in the world. They it's not in the, hi- out in the media. One of the highlights last night um, from from this game on SportsCenter was Denny either cutting for a layup or cutting in for a dunk. And whoever was doing the highlight just goes, oh, Denny Avdia, nice player. And then just like kept it moving. You know, it was this little kind of throwaway thing. Like um, he me. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, OK. Yeah, he's the 12th yeah, man. Oh, cool, man. Uh, get Diddy some love, man. Hey, y'all get Diddy some love out there. Make them mention his name. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, though. I do think he'd be getting a lot more, like, national attention if he were, yeah, on a, on a reasonable team. Even if he's the third best player or fourth he's best solid. player on a good team. Yeah, he, he's solid. Uh, he's, a, he's he's like the ideal connector on a good team. Yep. Too. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so... The one thing I want to talk about here, just going backwards a little bit here, is the loss to the Warriors. They ended up losing 123 to 112. Uh, Tyus Jones had another big assist night. Kiss, or Kyle Kuzma was really good overall in that game, uh, 27 points, 12 rebounds. But the team had 20 turnovers, and they were minus 21 in the third quarter again. Just third quarters just seem to be the like the major Achilles heel for this team, what is it about the third quarter that they just come out and just get punched in the mouth and, and it takes them until the fourth quarter again to get like, it, you know, right the ship, I guess. Because the opposing team at third quarter realizes that we're in a game against the Wizards. <laughs> not, not bad. I'm not talking about it bad, but that's yeah, the Yeah. So now... It's like it's like playing Detroit. Halftime, you're in a game against Detroit. You're like, hey, y'all, man, come on. Like, now, like, you're like, here, like, man, it's Detroit. Like, come on, man, let's pick this thing up. Like, we're in a 
we tripping. Mm-hmm. Well, but if I'm in the Wizards locker room, I'm like, we're doing a good job. We're in the game. <laughs> right. Nah. No. We great. We can really see a completely different team in the third mm-hmm. quarter because they're not getting ready to be humiliated in this game. So now you're getting a you getting a, a team that's going to go up three three levels. Sure. You coming out saying, "Oh, we're in it," so we're staying at the same level because they want to bury you. Yeah, you, right, you got to go out and play against the team who just ain't realize they're playing against the Wizards. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what hurts us third quarter because now we're coming out with the same intensity that we brought first and second quarter, right? Yeah. First half, right? Second half, the level of intensity rate is tremendously. Yeah, Wizards have got to match that. Yep. Right? Because now they're – because first of all, I don't want to sound in a bad way, but it's tough to get up for a Wizards game probably. Right, I'm sure it is because of what our record is. Yeah, teams are sitting some of their best players against it. This is so a get, this is a get right game. Yeah, right. So no matter how much you try to, even as a coach, how much you try to convince your team, this is it's not about playing the Wizards. It's about where we're trying to go to, and you know, our and how much we want to stick to what our game plan is and who we are. Mm-hmm. It's still, you you still your lack your intensity just your 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 aggressiveness, your uh, how much the game means to you right now is just not going to be the same yep. starting off. It's it's hard to pep yourself up for a game like that sometimes. So then you end up finding yourself up, you know, in the game with them or maybe down by 10 points. Right, yeah. Once you're in a street fight, it's like, oh, shit. Okay. But now you realize in a street fight, this ain't the Wizards no more. This is another team. It's right. like – Right. Yeah. So those teams now second quarter, like second half, um now has a sense of desperation. Mm-hmm. We're not matching the sense of desperation. So then slowly they chip away before you know it, they take it off. I think some of this, too, is this point in the season. I think overall the Wizards are playing at least a little bit better basketball under Brian Keefe. And they're playing teams now for like the second or the third time sometimes. And it's like, all right, we rolled you earlier the first time this year. Like, we know we don't have to play that hard. Oh, now it's a slightly different Wizards team. Like, okay, like, it's it's even more to your point of, like, I wasn't as up for this game as I needed to be because I thought we were just going to, like, come in here and, and blow them out. But, well, like, they're a little more of a plucky, you know, feisty team here. And mm-hmm. uh, and the Wizards can play better second second half, too. But the problem is they, they're comfortable saying, oh, we in it. Let's just mm-hmm. keep chugging away. Nah. Yeah. You gotta raise your level of uh, you gotta raise your level of play too now, mm-hmm. right? And I just think we're just continuing continuing our level of play throughout, and that's not how basketball goes. I do wonder, like I, I totally agree with you on the effort being the major factor here. Part of me thinks though a little bit like if you are Brian Keith, it is a somewhat limited roster, like there's probably only so many buttons you can push. Like it's, it's a little bit like, you know, taking a knife to a gunfight. Sometimes it seems like it, it's just I, like, there's certain good teams can play a lot of different styles and go to different guys and, and exploit different matchups. I think the wizards are a little bit more limited because of the lack of talent than, than some of these other teams. I, I do agree. It's majority effort, but 
Five seven nights where they just never seem like they adjust. I disagree that we don't have enough button to compete, though. I'm not saying, yeah, not compete. I'm the, the 25 points is exclusively they came out and played harder than us. Better than we mean, playing now. Yeah. yeah. Well, we don't, if we can't change anything with our current roster now, yeah. we can play better than we're playing. I agree. Right. We have enough. We have Kyle Kuzma out there. We have Jordan Poole. Got Denny Ivey. They have you enough know. to be competitive against we got enough to be competitive. against the Lakers. Uh, yeah. I mean, right. not so, the best couple teams in the league, but yeah. you know, then we got guys got Bagley who can be competitive, right? When they need so we have enough to compete. We have enough to win way more games than we're winning. Yeah. All right. So I, yeah. I'm 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 not falling for that one too much. That's fair. Yeah, I mean uh, just the, the Lakers game, like that was literally the team I thought we would get for most of the year. And I think we'll see a lot about that effort tonight because like the Clippers came into DC and just stomped the shit out of the wizards, you know, in their arena. Like if I'm Washington, I would be pissed about last night. And I would also be like, Hey, they're not going to embarrass us twice. We might not beat them, but uh, you, you can't show up here and just get run out of the gym again. A second time against the team. I would think from a pride perspective, I, I, well, would- no, I feel like now you got to feel for the, or the arena too. It mm, may be yeah, different colors, but you got to feel. It's good when you not say okay. You go into different. You go to different arenas every every other game. Mm-hmm. Got to get the feel for it. Like like we talking about the warm ups. Got to get the mm-hmm. feel for it. You got to feel for the rims. You got to feel for trajectory of the wall behind it. Yeah. The crowd. So now that's the element that's taken out. Mm-hmm. Now so, scout report is what the scout report is. You know. Kawhi is a monster. If he, if I mean, I mean, if if he comes out and do what he can, he's just a tough guy to stop. Yeah. But game over almost. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you still bring that level of intensity in the way he played against the Lakers, all the other elements, it's, there's one element that's now already out the out the door. Mm. You play ball. Yeah. So I mean, if we bring that team, we can. I feel like we can. It could be a very competitive game. So last year, I um, went on the West Coast or uh, the L.A. road trip specifically with the team and did the Clippers game the first day and a Lakers game the second day. And it was a night and day game experience from the from the two. Like the Clippers were still pretty good, but uh, it was uh, taking a shot of my own fan base here. But it was on par with a Wizards game in terms of level of energy at the Clippers game. It was just like a lot of people there enjoying basketball, like, you know, not a lot of stake in the game. The Lakers game was like a playoff game. Like it was wild as shit for a meaningless regular season game against the Wizards. And I wondered if like just that environment had some amount of positive effect for the Wizards last night. The energy was better. The effort was better. I don't know if they were juiced being in that arena with that kind of crowd and stuff like that. Uh, So I'm wondering if maybe they fall back to earth a little bit. If there's just sort of this flat vibe with the Clippers game. or not. No, you don't, don't buy that at all. No, I do. No, I actually agree. Because the face was like, yeah, <laughs> you play. Anytime you play the Lakers, mm-hmm. you, you can get up for that game, right? Like, it's- I mean, think about think about the scoring, how we look at the scoring on the on our on our stats. Like how many how many of our guys really played good, played a good game that night? High scores, right? It like, was the. Four players top 20 points for the only the second time all season. The last time was against Milwaukee, to make your point. That's because 
we were playing against the Lakers. That's <laughs> what made the, so that's the epitome of of the NBA. Like when you're thinking about being an NBA player and becoming mm-hmm. an NBA player, you make it to the NBA. Your top two games yeah. that you dream about playing in hmm. is Staples Center, Crypto Arena, yeah. and Madison Square Garden. Sure. Right. So those are two top t- games you really get up for. If sense. if you if one else and if there's other, it's, it's Boston. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's it. So, so when you're playing, when you're in LA, it's speaking back to the kid in you that loves basketball. Sure. Makes the, sense. the essence of everything. And you try and you want to lay your best game out in front of the crowd. You think it's like the, the stars and the actors and the, you know, entertainers. You want to put your best game on display that night. Especially so, if you've been in purgatory with the Wizards on your year. head two days, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, anytime I got a chance to play Shaq, I'm like, oh, like <laughs> yeah, let's go. Yeah. Thinking about this game two, three days in advance. Right. Uh, okay, I get to play Shaq. Now I got to be prepared for it. So I know sure. I'm in LA. I got to take it easy. Cause you know, it's just, and I know it's extra hard, yeah. And I know it may be another teammate of mine who's gonna just completely quit and leave it all up to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So, so at, at that now, I you know, so I got to be able to be up for it. But it's almost like being able to play against your favorite player. Mm-hmm. If you were a fan of Michael Jordan, and the game you play against Michael Jordan. You're going to yeah. play your hardest game ever. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah, you got to show MJ you can hang yeah. it. Yeah. It's not like, oh, is Michael Jordan? Oh, dude, you're not doing that all day. Right. That's how you pay homage is making him, making him have to work twice as hard. He may still going to kill you. Yeah. But it's that's the same thing with the playing at, at, at Crypto.com Arena, playing at Madison Square Garden. It's the same thing. Is some of that a LeBron effect too? Just the same way as the MJ thing yeah, for some absolutely. of the younger guys. Yeah. And you get to play on yeah, Lakers, you're playing you playing in LA, playing it, you know, at, at crypto and you and it's LeBron. It's 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 the land of the stars. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's no more more popular team than the Lakers currently in the NBA. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting what they do. It's when, the epitome. Uh, when when he retires and see who the next star is that they get to magically fill that role again. Uh, just yeah. wild how they can they can do that. Um, talked a little bit about it there. Right, man. Yeah, right. Exactly. Somehow Jason Tatum and Anthony Edwards will be the starting backcourt mm-hmm. for uh, uh, the team here um, in a couple of years. So uh, they ask Kuzma about the third quarter losses, and he goes, "I think about it almost every night." Like just it's it's clearly on their mind. Hopefully, uh, we don't see a ton more of those this season. That'd be a positive development. So, uh, mentioned it here a little bit ago uh, with the pregame routine. So Chase Hughes from Monumental Sports wrote this really interesting article about just sort of pregame shootarounds and how regimented guys are and how you know they've memorized their own routine start to finish, and their assistant coaches that they work with have memorized their routine start to finish, and. 
some good quotes from from Corey Kispert in there specifically about you know what he does to get ready uh, for this. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about sort of pregame routine and how important it is and and how sort of like like you can't interrupt another guy's pregame routine here, right? Like it, it's um it's a pretty big deal for dudes to to get to go through their kind of you know set walkthrough and thing like that. Yeah, true. I mean, pregame pregame routine is everything. If you watch like some of the top guys, mm. the top guys in the NBA have their own pregame routine, right? And they pretty much lay it out there and say, hey, this is what I do, sure. and I need your assistance with it, right? You know, so player development or the coaches go out there and help them with what they – KD's. KD's pregame routine is special. It's not like anybody else's. Steph Curry is not like anybody else's. Now, outside of those guys, the coaches give you your pregame routine. Interesting. Okay. Right. And the things they want build, you to work on. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. They what they see you or want you to work on, and then you kind of build through that and, with them. And that's is that that's role based. Like we envision you doing these things for us, so we want you to yeah. work out this way. Okay. Right. So even back then with me, it's five hundred hook shots right, five hundred hook shots left, sweep through, mm-hmm. go up, sweep ops weight, go up, mm-hmm. right, and and they're calling out that. And you're doing it before every game because it's what you're pretty much most of the things you're going to do anyway. Right. But it's not, they're calling those moves out. Right. And, but it becomes natural. You know, what comes next. Um, but that's how it goes because like you say, it's, it's all about getting the rhythm of all of the moves that you guarantee know, like you're going to get in the game. Mm-hmm. Right. That fits your style. What, what the area you're open in. You're going to be opening or going to drive to the most. If you're driving through to the to the box, I mean uh, to the elbow, we're going to do a lot of stuff going toward that elbow because that's what's going to be open for you yep. during the game, right? So, uh, and then that, so now you're doing counters out there. You're driving to that elbow. They closing you out. You got to have a counter or you got to have a floater. Or, so yeah, um, pregame routines are different for every player, but. It's pregame routine is not a point of trying to build something new into your game. It's, yeah, that makes that makes awesome. sense. It's getting comfortable doing exactly what you're going to do in the game, mm-hmm. and and filling the rims out, filling the the energy of the, the arena out. So doing what you're going to do in the game, but also doing it in the elements, mm-hmm. right? With the sound, like yeah, uh, a lot of players that I know, even when they're not pregame and they training they pipe in arena sound real loud. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right. Uh, well, it makes sense. Yeah. Cause can, so it can, now they have to be able to concentrate with a lot of sound pipe in mm-hmm. so all of this type of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how it goes. It's always been that way. It's just more advanced now. Cause people have more, way more advanced pregame routine. Sure. Right. And, and your pregame routine now, sometimes, incorporates a lot more mm-hmm. in in a a tighter window okay. a tighter space yep tighter window exactly uh joe sway i mentioned in the comments here this is the next thing i was gonna go to uh anthony gill said that his first in, in this article by chase that said that his first shot was always a corner three uh, a lot of guys start in and work their way out. Gil liked to come out and shoot a three immediately because he said that was what was going to happen to him in a game. Most likely was he'd get plugged in and have to come in cold. 
and, you know, hit a corner three because that was the most likely open look he would get. So I thought that was kind of interesting to, you know, he was mimicking a little bit more of what he would most likely see come game. Yeah. Where Corey sense. wanted to build that feel and sort of slowly, you know, work his way out. But he's also going to get more touches to kind of warm up uh, as the game goes on, too. All right. Uh, the other piece of this, too, uh, Tyus Jones talked about um, he doesn't like to listen to music before games because, to your point, he likes to just be in the environment and get a feel for the arena. I know some guys are are blasting music when they go, though. Were you a music or a no music guy before the game? I'm a music guy because I feel like I want to get centered. Okay. I want to get into a, a place internally, right? Mm-hmm. so you almost gotta this how great mindset kind of thing yeah you gotta tap into that 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 per- person you don't usually have to tap into a lot before a game okay yeah. it's just you gotta tap into another that another being so mm-hmm. it's like you know somebody's you say oh man you gotta flip that light switch on well it's not quick it's not easy it's, it's not simple <laughs> right. as that yeah like, you gotta get all you gotta work your way up you, right and then with me before i go out I need somebody to punch me two or three times without okay. that might. Yeah. Okay. The reason I would do it because I, now the first hit I'm not take the first hit I'm not down on the court. Right. So now my mind, I'm centered. My mind, now I need to feel, I need to feel the hits that I'm going to take on the court. Right. So now all right, I took those. Yep. So now I got all the elements, all the little pieces. All of this. Now let me go out there. Now let me go out there and get my shots up and this and that, right? Um, was it always the same guy? Was it a coach? Is it, hey, Chris Whitney, come here and hit me in the stomach? Guy. No, it wasn't the same guy, but I usually try to get another, like, another, like a time, like a one stronger, of one of the stronger guys. Sure. Shoot me with a couple elbows to my chest. I, I need to fit. Because some reason, once you get that pain yeah. and that sting, it kind of, it kind of resonates throughout your bloodstream. It's, and not, your a shock. Body. it's not a shock anymore. Like you, right, it's not a uh, shock. Yeah. yeah, so makes sense. Right, so now I'm I'm playing again. I'm playing through all the elements. My mind is now my my body is centered. I got my switch on, and then I'm uh, I'm I got, I'm already touched all the elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy, go outside in the chat. Said get Chris Whitney or one of the small point guards for the punches. I'm, I thought the same thing, Jimmy. <laughs> I don't want one of the. I don't want Popeye Jones taking a swing at me. Uh, I, I get them, man, because that. They, they, you, they hands are fragile. The you got to make sure they able to throw you the pass. That's a, that's a, that's actually a veteran call there. That's a great point. Um, I thought that was a cool, uh, cool article though. And the other thing that was a, an insight in there that I, I didn't realize. I guess it, he said that road teams get to choose which side of the court they want to warm up on. That decision also determines which side they begin and end the game at. Teams essentially choose whether to have their offense or defense close enough to hear the coaching staff in the fourth quarter. I had no idea you got to pick. I thought it was just home team goes one way, road team goes the other way. No. Nah. Well, most coaches pick to where they they have the offense near them at the end. Offense right? at the end, yeah, at yeah. second half. I just thought it had to be that way because I think that's the only way I've ever noticed it. Because uh, you want to be able to control. If a game tight, you want to be able to micromanage the offense. I totally you get that. To micro, you can't micromanage the offense all the way on the <laughs> other side of the floor. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? You better really trust your point guard if you're going to do that. Most coaches don't want to sit there and coach defense. Mm-hmm. You know, I right, man, things are tight. I got to be able to make a quick adjustments. I got to be able to say things so you can hear me. I got to be able to make quick decisions and yell it out. Mm-hmm. 
So I want my offense to be right in front of me second half. Yeah, that's that's smart. Um, the other piece from this article is that uh, Brian Keefe, you know, as a guy who's done a lot of player development, said he's seen a lot of pregame routines. And the one constant in all of them was that guys always, 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 always had to end on a make. I, I do that. I, everybody I know does that. Were you uh, always mend, uh, end on a make guy in your warm-up? Yeah, you know, first, but everybody, so think about it. When you were younger and you were shooting with a coach or somebody just shooting, you know, your coach shooting around, mm. first thing you ever heard was your coach say, all right, now, got to end on a make. We're not going to walk away on a miss. Exactly. You heard that the first time. So yeah. that's the thing that sticks with you right away since a kid mm -hmm. throughout your basketball journey is never ending on a miss. Yep. So you got to end on a make. So that's, that's, that's not because they're in the NBA. That's just because they just ever played a game of basketball one time in their life <laughs> when they were like five years old or something, you know, yeah. that's, that's what that is. That's cool. Yeah. No, it's the nice universal thing at, at every level. I like when you get those kind of things, like everybody who plays basketball does this one thing. It's pretty neat. Uh, the other really good article from Chase, this is just the uh, pro Chase Hughes podcast was about Johnny Davis and just sort of his, I don't know, supposedly increased role here after the deadline. Like he played like 17 minutes last night, didn't really do a whole lot, I would say. Uh, but, but I would plug, uh, go to Monumental, find Chase's work, scroll through that. Um, and he talked about just sort of how the minutes have, have slowly increased. Uh, but they talked about um, how their message to Davis has been uh, defense, 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 that uh, Brian Keefe has preached, like, this is your way to get a role and, and get minutes and be on the court. And Davis said that he appreciates Keefe's communication style, saying he's very direct with players, especially when holding them accountable, which was interesting to hear and good to hear. And he said um, he has told Davis all year he, could, he believes he can be an asset on defense. And Davis said, it feels good having someone who really believes in you. Uh, so I don't know if that's saying that the previous coach didn't, but it does seem like he's he's got a good vibe going with Brian Keefe. And then Jordan Poole also said, fellow Wisconsin guy, Johnny, big fan. It's huge. In the minutes that he's got, he stepped up. He's a really good defender, a willing defender, physical. He goes to get boards. He plays the right way. Uh, to me, that's the blueprint for him to be a rotation player in the league. I thought it would happen this year. Still kind of not there yet. But he gets after guys. He still does some like young player stuff because he hasn't played a ton of minutes sometimes. But it's not a lack of effort on the defensive end. He still looks totally and completely lost to me offensively, though. And Jai, this is a guy that averaged 20 points per game as a sophomore in a Big Ten. That's like a slow pace, you know, grind to a halt kind of league. He can clearly score if and even if inefficiently. I wouldn't mind if he was shooting poorly, if he was at least just shooting, but he looks still scared to touch the ball. Like, how do you get past this at this point, you know, multiple years in now? Well, the thing is this. Johnny Davis is their, was their first round, their first pick. Mm -hmm. You have to put something into that pick, right? Yeah. You got to put more effort into him trying to play somehow, some way. Yeah. Right. So now he's getting more time on the court. They're trying him out. Sure. Right. What they what they're saying now is we need you to be. What they're saying is we. So what they're saying is what they notice already. Mm. Thing that they notice he's the the best effective at right more now. More comfortable on that end in practices. They seeing him probably stop guys defensively, rebound, 
be aggressive. Okay, mm-hmm. this naturally instinct. We can use that, and we have to put something behind him, putting him on, on the floor anyway because he's our pick. We got to show that we're putting something behind our, our players that we drafted. Mm-hmm. You know? Even though it's a different front office than, and they didn't draft him, do you still put the same? He's still there first, you know. So in that case, look, you go out there and play defense. We know you can do that right now, right? Mm-hmm. If anything else, extra cool, but we need stops from you. We need. We know you can score in certain situations. We know you're. We know what type of score you are, right? So, but defense, we can guarantee from you, and that can keep you on the floor. It can show. We can. We can show that you're useful, and our pick is useful in some type of sort of way, right? It's a um, momentum for next year thing. I right, guess, but right? in the end of the day, like Bill Russell said, at the end of the day, basketball comes down to one thing: putting ball on the hoop, buckets. Yeah. And until like it can be the best defensive team out here. The the game is now built for guys to score. Mm-hmm. So I like the Johnny Davis Davis story. I like, you know, they're getting time. I like that they saying hey, go play defense. You know, man, we gotta we gotta score the ball. As his teammate, if he continues to look this lost offensively, do does the coaching staff lose credibility at a certain point if they keep playing him? Or do guys get it? Like, hey, it's kind of a lost year. We know they have to play him a little bit here, even maybe at the expense of some other guys who are just better than him. They can say, we, we, gave, you, we gave you a shot. Hmm. And they know where the game is going. They know what the season is going at this point. Sure. Let's see. Let's see what what we can what we can put behind our picks. Let's see if they can actually be worth what we, you know, the pick that we believe they could be, you know? So, I mean, they give, they chose to give him this time for something. Mm-hmm. You know, why is he the chosen one? Right. It's because he was a, he was that, 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 the, the highest draft pick at that, you know, mm-hmm. what do you get was pick 10? 10, yeah. Yeah, that's why he, they got to give him the opportunity to put some, you know, put some time on the floor. If they don't see anything these final, I don't know, what are we at, uh, 20, 22 games or 23 games, whatever the case may be, uh, do you think that's it for him as a wizard? Like, is that the end of his long-term future here? I Like, do we need to see something, I guess, for them to, to invest longer term? Yeah, oh, that's going to be a definite evaluation period. He's going to have to be effective. You know, they can say we riding with you, our guy. Oh, they can tell them everything they want to, but they're trying. They're trying to get something out of him. Mm-hmm. They're trying to see where he can fit in, and, and if, if if we can put him in a spot, yep. he can be effective. We can grow out of that into more, mm-hmm. right? So they they can't. He so they can say we gave you a chance. Yeah, this is that moment saying we gave you a chance. They can also say that it's something so they can go back to agents too and say, look, look how bad he looked and we still gave him a chance. Like if your guy comes here, everybody will get a fair shake. Well, they are, they obligated. Yeah. They obligated. He was drafted number 10. You obligated as a team. Right. So now they're saying, let's fulfill this obligation. And, you know, also like not make us look bad. Let's try to push this guy. And so it don't make us look bad at making a bad decision. 
I've seen some people suggest that they should just cut bait and waive him. I, I think worst case scenario, he becomes salary cap filler, you know, salary trade filler next year um, as a piece to make a bigger move because he's uh, makes six, seven million dollars, whatever the case may be, as a top 10 pick. So I can't see them just cutting bait on that money outright because it is guaranteed. But you could use him as something to make another move happen down the road. And I think that's more likely if they've kind of decided they're they're out on him. Uh, last thing I want to end with here, just, uh, Charles Barkley kind of did the, the rant about load management the other day he said, when you have guys making 75, 80, 90, God forbid, a hundred million dollars a year to play basketball. And the guy says, you know what? I'm going to rest tonight. At some point, the fans are going to say I've had enough. Uh, I just want to get your reaction to that. You know, I like Barkley. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I just. I wouldn't want Wilt Chamberlain telling me how to do a step back. It's a a different league and different world. That's the the problem. You can own, it's like a guy who was a cool, it's like the Fonz. Fonz is the coolest guy in the 80s. Yeah. But. In Might 2024, <laughs> he will still walk through here with a leather jacket on. Tomo, hey, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he's stuck in a. Because that's his best part of his era. That's the sure. the best part of his life was at the, that at that moment. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's kind of how the NBA players are. Yep. Right. It's like music. Um, our childhood music mostly had the most impact because we got the most memories from what the music during our childhood. We can, when this song came out, I remember exactly where I was, blah, 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 all that. Mm-hmm. That's how That's the NBA players are. That's how, so, and rightfully and so, I think you're not blaming yeah. you know? But now they're taking those thoughts and those, those, that feeling and that moment from back then and mm-hmm. how things were and, and trying to apply them, apply them to now. Like you can't take windows two and, and may think a lot of those things going to work for windows two and two, like, you know, yeah. so mm-hmm. that's the issue. But, but do, do I agree with them those with some of the low management? Yeah. But then again, man, bodies are taking, I feel like, Players today, NBA players today, in their youth, has have played three or four times as much sure. as NBA players back in his day. Yeah, I agree. The mileage is so, just crazy. So the believe, so the body is not as the body has taken three times more pounding by the time they get to this level. Mm-hmm. So you got to take care of the body. I mean. It's, it's not natural in any capacity to play this many damn NBA games in season, any game in season for real. So it's already like something the body shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Right. Yeah. I think physically it seems like in the sixties is probably the max of what a human can, yeah. can take, especially if you're making a playoff run. But yeah, So, I mean, so is it low managing or let I me mean, think of Joel and B situation. Yep. They now put the load management rule in there. Now what? Now he he messed up, you know. Or he, when he could have said, "All right, my knee is 
hurting this bad, mm-hmm. but I can push through this season if I make sure I take care of myself and I do it the right way. I can be ready for the playoffs. Now he's not because they put the that that quota in there mm-hmm. to where he has to play. Now he's out. So it's both ways. Do you want me for every game or do you want me when it counts? Yeah, you can't, can't get both very often. Yeah, you can't get your cake and eat it too. I wrestle with this a little bit. Like as a fan, I would be pissed if this was my one opportunity to see, you know, LeBron come to town and he was just sitting in street clothes on the bench because he was tired. But it's, I think the, the minute there's anything actually wrong, like the Embiid knee thing, a guy, especially with that injury history, you know, there's no business for him to be out there in that situation just to try to meet a quota like as long as it's a real documented injury or issue that he's pushing through I, like i'm i'm all for it like i as a fan of a team i would rather if i'm trying to win a title have my guy not run himself into the ground over you know a meaningless tuesday night in late february against the pistons or something like so i'd be the first also, one as a coach be like hey you sitting this one out yeah take take the choice out of their hands unfortunately yeah, take it out of their hands like a lot of coaches did yeah. When that load management, most of the time wasn't the coaches. I mean, wasn't the players' option. Coach, yeah, yeah pop for, for years. Yeah. We can make it through for right here. This stretch right here, you got to rest that body. You got to rest your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, I, I, you can't you can't have an injury and keep pounding on that same injury and think that injury is going to heal itself. Yep. And, and and if you play in the NBA long enough, you'll realize that only thing that stops one injury. Is the next injury? Oh, yeah, I do. Really? Yeah. Oh, my knee is messed up. Oh, now I got a, a hip injury that too. hurts way more than my knee. So now my knee, I can't think about my knee because I got to think about it. Literally, that's what happened. Yeah, you just move on to the next thing, right? You yeah. just move on to the next injury. One thing to stop one injury is a more important injury, mm-hmm. and Which you just plan through all of that. Yeah, you probably don't get right again until a month into the offseason. Right. Probably, I mean. So now if I got a chance to say, all right, we, we're we definitely making the playoffs, mm-hmm. I got to get all – I got to be the best player I can in the playoffs. and most best, I got to be effective and be able to be like that main guy for my team and put the team on my back in the playoffs. I can't do it with a with a, you know, at 60%. Yep. You know – like no players playing at a hundred percent. So sure. you really just want to be, let me try to get 80, 75. Keep it at the highest level. You can yeah. keep that at, right with the rest. I hear there. I agree. Yep. I, I think I prefer longevity of like, if I've got LeBron, I'd rather see him playing well in year 40. If it meant he took a couple rest days like this, they asked Kawhi what the difference has been this year. He's like, well, I didn't just tear an ACL and a meniscus. Like, it's funny how, you know, it's funny how you don't need as much rest when you're not coming back off of two serious injuries. So um, I'm, I'm okay with it as long as it's. And I love his answer. Reason. Yeah. Right. Because uh, as sarcastic as it was, it was a, you like. It's true. Like yeah, a no shit. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> like, dummy. <laughs> yeah. I wish you would have put that right behind it. Dummy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think a little bit of the like the old guy, you know, back in my day stuff, they they lose that kind of shit a little bit here, too. And 
you know, some of those guys were, were off spending their off season drinking beers on a boat and playing their way into shape. Kawhi right. is in the fucking gym, you know, every day of the week uh, for the whole summer. So it's what they're doing is putting themselves exactly in the seat or in yeah. the shoes of that player. Right. As they were then. Based on their context that they played. Yeah. For. Like, he can't do that. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, all right. Clippers game tonight. Any predictions? Like we talked about it a little bit, but I'm putting you on the spot here. Call uh, your shot here. Yeah, I don't want to make any predictions. I just, I, I, I'm, I hope that we come out with the same vigor we came out with LA. I think they're gonna get a win. I got a weird feeling. I hope, I hope at least just if I see a repeat of the Lakers game, I can live with that. But I don't know. They're just they're kind of in the street you, how here. Much, sometimes. How much you believe in that? What you want to do about that? Oh. Uh, I'd bet a I'm, I won't bet against the Wizards. I just want to see what you're gonna do about it. I'd bet a Capital One Bud Light on it, uh, whatever that costs these days, nineteen fifty or something. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not super confident. <laughs> I I hope that's the case. It's probably wishful thinking on my part. But at some point, I think they're gonna end the streak, and it'll be a team that surprises us. Yeah, too. I think you. I think. I have I have hope that they play a really good game and hope that they can win it too. Actually, I do. Um, and that was more off of not even a streak, mm-hmm. but the streak is bad. They can they can take your morale all the way down. Sure. But of the of how many players would love to continue what they continued last year? Mm-hmm. If I had a thirty point game, I'm gonna try to get another. Yeah, keep it going. Yeah. Five guy had a, a you know good rebounding game. I want to continue that. I'm going to try to get, you know, my personal goals, mm. my personal stats. I want to keep them consistent now that I'm good. I'm high. I want to, I, as, even though a losing streak, I want to do a good stat streak. Right. Ride the way. Yeah. Enough players who want to get it, do a, have a, have good stat streaks that we'll play well tonight. I like that. I hope that's the case. Uh, we'll we'll see how we uh, we did here next time we chat. Uh, for everybody is believing wizards. You know the drill. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that little like button for us. Subscribe. Always love that stuff. If you're so inclined, leave us a uh, um, iTunes review. That's always helpful. Haven't had one of those in a while, but all the ones we've had are, are pretty darn good. So so thanks everybody who's done that. Uh, all right, it's been believing wizards presented by BetOnline.ag, and we will catch you all next time. Peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.